Well, it was the night of the children's Christmas play, and Johnny was really upset because he didn't get the part of Joseph. And that's how kids say it when they're upset. <laughs> he got the part of the innkeeper. Well, because when the pageant started, he was still feeling just a little bit bitter. When Joseph and Mary on cue arrive to the innkeeper's door to ask if there's any room, and they expect Johnny to say, what? No. No, no there's no room. Do you know what Johnny said? <laughs> he wanted to throw off the whole place, so he looks at Joseph and he's like, Sure, there's room. Come on in. And Joseph and Mary's eyes got this big. And luckily, Joseph was of quick wit. And Joseph leans through the door. He looks around and he said, man, this place is a dump. Mary, let's go to the barn. Oh, my kids are unpredictable. I think Joseph gets a really bad rap in the whole story of Jesus's birth. You know, do you know that he's the first character in the whole birth narrative that when you read the Gospel of Matthew, he is the first guy to enter the scene of all of the characters and the cast to come. And he just doesn't get enough recognition. You know, but it was his faithfulness to God his faithfulness to Mary, whom he was engaged, his faithfulness to Jesus, well, all that set the wheels to God's incarnation, God's presence in the world into motion. Imagine if Joseph wouldn't have been around or he would have made the choice not to accept God's invitation to be the husband of Mary and the father of Jesus. Now, here, Joseph, you know how a lot of people remember Joseph. What, what, what a bad rap, right? He's uh, remembered because, you know, he had the option of kind of dumping Mary when he found out that she was pregnant, and the law actually condoned that. The law actually said, well, of course, if a woman gets pregnant and you're not the father, you have every right to actually divorce her, even though they weren't technically married. And do you know what it would have meant for her to be divorced? It would have meant that she wouldn't have been welcomed in his house or her family's house, and she literally would have wound up on the street. So he had that right, and I'm sure all of the guys that he grew up with in the synagogue learning the law assumed that if that would ever happen, he would do that. But Joseph was in anguish because he loved her. And then sometimes we see Joseph as that guy on the Christmas card. We don't even give him a face. He's kind of in black silhouette, and he's kind of leading the donkey. And we're like, what's the deal with that? She is so pregnant. Why on earth would you put her on a donkey, traipse her all the way to Bethlehem? And I'm sure everybody in town thought the same thing. What kind of guy is this? Well, the kind of guy that despite criticism and rolling eyes, does what God commands. Take her to Bethlehem, because it fulfills the scripture, and everyone's going to know that this baby is indeed the Messiah. 
And then, of course, the whole night when he gets to the inn, you know that Bethlehem, where, where all his relatives were, kind of his hometown, so you think a guy that's taken their very pregnant wife to Bethlehem, maybe would have called the head. There was a lot of relatives. It just so happens that none of the relatives have a spot in Bethlehem. And then they end up in the barn. So Joseph really does kind of get a bad rap. But isn't it the case that since the dawn of the church and children who have been in Christmas pageants, that, oh my gosh, the part of Joseph, it looks kind of cool, but when you don't have any speaking parts and you don't really have a job to do, it's not always the best part, right? I mean, radiant Mary coos over baby Jesus while she's acknowledging all the visitors that are coming over, the shepherds, and the shepherds are adoring, and the angels are singing, and the wise men are bringing gifts and everybody's little grandchildren and children, those that are cast as sheep, as cows, even they get to make the cool animal voices. <laughs> and there's Joseph. Just stand there, Joseph, overlooking Mary and the baby Jesus, like you got it all under control. I think Joseph gets a bad rap. So I declare that this morning we're going to take Joseph back. He is a key player to the incarnation of God to the world. And because of his faith shining in the darkness of the political climate, of the social climate that was happening in the days of Jesus' birth, because he was so brave and because he was scared and he went anyway, Jesus burst upon this world. You know, did you know that only in the Gospel of Matthew do we hear Joseph's rendition of the story about how the angel came to visit him, how the angel directed him not to divorce Mary? And remember how he's described in the Bible for all time. The one thing that we know about, Je or about Joseph is that he was a righteous man. But he would have to be righteous for God to choose him. When there were so many choices, Joseph was a righteous man. And after all, until the time of Joseph's death, I mean, think about it. Who do you think the person is that spent the most time with Jesus in his 33 years on the earth? Most likely it was Joseph. As men worshiped together in the temple, as they studied the law together, they had this little family business, the carpenter shop, and together they worked every day. So probably one of the key influences for Jesus was actually Joseph until the time of his death. Side by side, what a great image. Imagine our communion table, Joseph and Jesus working in tandem, sanding the wood, that smell of wood, so beautiful. You know, think about it, for most of Jesus' life, Joseph was there. You know, the guy that we can barely remember from the whole story, who Mary just outshines, and the shepherds, they drop everything, and the wise men bring their gifts for a king. But who is standing vigil over Jesus? Joseph. 
Joseph's reputation up to the point of his engagement and the night that the angel comes and tells him the shocking news that Mary is carrying a baby and it isn't his and that he has to trust that God has made this happen. Up to that point, Joseph was that guy that every girl wanted to marry, that every parent wanted to have for a son. He knew his law. He probably had a blueprint for his life, and this was nowhere near what he had in mind. Oh, my goodness. And then he wouldn't leave them out of his sight, you know, Mary, when she was pregnant and after she had Jesus, going on to Bethlehem, then finding out after the birth that Herod was out to kill Jesus, and they had to make haste. Boy, is that an understatement of the year. Hey, Mary, we got to make haste, because Herod the Great is after us to kill the Son of God. What a job. What a task. What obedience. Joseph taught Jesus to love God. When Mary held Jesus in her arms and she rocked him, she kissed the face of God. Wow. Jesus saw Joseph loving God, going to the temple, opening the scriptures, serving God with his life. And then Jesus watched how Joseph treated Mary, right? In a culture that actually advocated for them to end before they even begun. Joseph watched his father love his mother. And he learned how to treat women in a day and age where women were second-class citizens. And boy, did Jesus get in trouble in his ministry because he was always talking to the wrong people, many of which were women. What an amazing thing to think about, to be in the house of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And for Joseph, what hardship what pain, what fear came into play for him? Fears that would try to steal his joy. When the two found out that they were pregnant with God's son, oh my goodness, can you imagine? Wait, what, God? I have been faithful, God. I've been here the whole time. Not my baby? Imagine Joseph was the stepfather of Jesus. So the first family, the holy family, was a blended family. Imagine, born into poverty, political unrest, wars, where fear ruled the culture. How different is that from us today? And oh my gosh, there was that moment when all of Christmas rested on Joseph when he had heard from the angel and then he had that decision to make, do I reject it all and just kind of stay where I am where it's nice and safe and I know everybody or do I risk everything to follow Jesus? You know, he was the first follower of Christ and he was definitely the one who sacrificed the most to follow Jesus. He showed us what it meant to count the cost 
And what an incredible inspiration he is to us today. You know, trusting that God has got your back all the time, whatever the circumstance, that just makes all the difference to your day, to your hour sometimes. You know, and it's a promise from God that God will never leave us. And talk about a serious promise. And it was Joseph who said the name Jesus, meaning Emmanuel, God with us. So just in case we'd ever forget that Jesus isn't with us, it's the very definition of his name. And so where does that leave the church today? We're to be the lighthouse, the big light shining like a lighthouse on the dark, rocky coast. In the world, sometimes the ocean, it's tumultuous. Sometimes you can't see your hand in front of your face, but my golly, all you need is just a little pinprick of light to cast light into darkness. And how is the light of Jesus visible? Through us, loving one another being obedient to God like Joseph, even when the world is saying we should do something else. And you know where life and purpose and meaning and happiness and joy happen for us? When we love. You know, fear can keep us safe, but as Joseph taught us, oh my goodness, it's faith that helps us do the impossible. It's faith that moves us to do the impossible, actually. And so I'm thinking that what I'm working on this Advent in these last, oh, nine days till Christmas Eve, I'm working on not letting anything, any fear or worry or anxiety that I have rob me of the joy that Jesus loves me. And I'd like to challenge you to do the same. Don't give up on the things that God has placed on your heart. Keep praying for God's direction. There's no greater feeling, right, than knowing that God has got us. Come what may, whatever happens, whatever we risk, even if the risk goes south, God, Emmanuel, is still with us. And don't allow fear to compromise the vision that you have for your life. If God right now is kind of making you restless and you feel like you're getting ready to hear from God to do something great, by all means, it is now your responsibility to redirect your life to make sure that you start working on what that is or maybe even moving toward it if you don't know yet. You know, faith isn't figuring out what we're able to do. It's deciding what we're going to do, even when we think we can't. That's faith. And it's just like Joseph. He had the opportunity to make a difference in the world, and he did it. And we should embrace every opportunity that God puts before us to do so, to make a difference. You know, fear can keep us up all night long, goes the saying, but faith makes for one fine pillow. Don't let what you're afraid of keep you from doing what you're made for. Because everything you want is on the other side of fear. There's a book I've been reading called Hope in the Dark by a pretty dynamic pastor named Greg Rochel. I've had an opportunity to hear him speak, and he says this thing. He says, here's what I can say. I've walked with Jesus for enough yesterdays to know that I can trust him with all my tomorrows. 
Emmanuel means God with us, not just God made us or God thinks about us, not just God above us, but God right where we are. God with us, really with us, breathing our air and walking this earth. And there's nothing that you can't overcome with God on your side. And if you're waiting to overcome a fear until you believe you are ready, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life. Because you got to keep looking forward. You got to keep moving one step at a time. You know, I think we used to think in the life of the church that, you know, the circumstances that came upon us, especially the ones that we didn't see coming, well, they were the ways that somehow God was using us to sharpen our faith or perhaps to test us. But I truly believe that God uses the circumstances of our life, good, bad, or otherwise, to shape us. God cares about every single thing that concerns you. God knows every worry that you have. God knows every fear that you have. And why not, if he knows all of them, spend some serious time just talking to him? Let it all out. And you know what my prayer is going to be for us every morning through Christmas Day? It's going to be a one-sentence prayer. Help us, Lord, to never be afraid to pray for the impossible. That's what I learned from Joseph this week. I learned that we were made for joy, no matter how big the hair is, no matter how long the journey, no matter how many voices in the back of our head that tell us we can't. I learned that God wants us to have joy. Joy in Christmas. <coughs> You know, in the prayers of confession, I'll tell you a secret that you may not know. Whoever preaches is responsible for the prayers of, of confession. And I couldn't figure out a way to work this in my sermon, so I made you say it in the prayer of confession. And I want to remind you that when we stand and we say the prayer of confession, it's not like, oh, it would be a really good idea, Lord. It's like, I'm standing here and I'm making a statement. So let me remind you of what you committed yourself to today. You said, we sing Christmas carols with great joy that speak of your love, yet often miss the opportunities you put before us to share it. Forgive us, Lord. Turn us around right. Restore to us joy in the sacred, breathe life into our faith journey and equip us with your Holy Spirit to bring Advent light to others. I'll leave you with a line about Joseph from Bob Joff. Bob is a funny author. He's now the author of the book, Love Everybody Always. And he says this one line that's great. He says, you know, we need to be patient when life gets weird, right? You know, the angels explained things to Joseph after the angel had talked to Mary, not before. <laughs> it could be that God is speaking through people all around you, but just hasn't gotten to you yet. And how wonderful that even though we can't know all of life's mysteries, 
that we know that God has our backs. And how do we know how to live and to spread light? Victor Hugo in Les Miserables said this line, and this is our charge today. To love another person is to see the face of God. I see God in you. Let's keep loving one another. And let's take it out the door and into the city and into the world. And my goodness, God will make us lights and remind us that with Jesus, we can pray for the impossible. And we know that God's got us every step of the way. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.